Buenos dias, Tucson. Good morning, Minneapolis and other beautiful cities all around the world. My name is Lavia Alva, and I am an extreme extrovert. All right. So today, um, I just got done with work, and I'm on my way home, hopefully to relax and just kind of enjoy my time. Um, I just wanted to swing by and say that, ah. Uh, everything going um for me it has been an interesting ride um i had two months of full sobriety things were really going well um and then i started to slip up um i don't know if you've ever heard of a term california sober and it's interesting because california sober means that you can still um you know smoke the green the ganja the marijuana, um, like, obviously in states that are legal. Um, if it's legal, you can do it. If you follow the guidelines here in Arizona, um, it's kind of like drinking. You know, you can drink um, at home, you can drink on your property, but don't drink in public, you know, unless it's at a bar or a designated area. So it's kind of the same. Um as green here like you can't you know drive and do it at the same time obviously or you can you know have it at home but just don't be walking around on the street and be like hey you know i'm just gonna do my thing like some of us would like imagine a world where that would be <laughs> ideal um i was talking to someone that i um trust and they were telling me about how how did I feel about if they legalized all drugs? And personally, I was like, I think it would have been an exceptional idea. Like, I think legalizing all drugs would eliminate a lot of problems, but it would create, um, like, a short-term problem. Like, people would get excited at first, obviously, and they'd be like, woo! And then after they're all done with their spiel, or, you know, worse, people, you know, overdose and stuff, which people don't want. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. About, I don't laugh about that, but I'm the kind of person that I laugh when things are, like, dark. Like, to relieve my own stress. <laughs> like, um, anyway, I won't get uh, sidetracked, though. Um, the point with that is, you know, I, that's just my opinion. I think if we legalized all drugs, eventually people would be like, who cares, and quit doing them. <coughs> Excuse me. And the people that would keep doing them, you know, they deal with the consequences. It's whatever. Um, that's just my opinion. But, you know, people are entitled to different opinions. And anyway, so I, I was the kind of person that I did experiment with this um, California sober um, kind of idea. And... I realized something about it is that when you are going through recovery, especially if you're an alcoholic, um, they teach you that um, sometimes mind-altering substances, whether it is weed or, you know, anything, um, it works just like alcohol. It just serves a purpose of escape, um, relief, 
um, of anxiety, of anything in particular, really. It's only really pertaining to you. Anything is valid. Any reason is valid um, for you. And that's why people do it. You know? And at some point in your life, you have to realize, are those, uh, are those reasons valid enough for me to use? And for sometimes, sometimes in your life it will be valid. Sometimes you're like, you know what, I had a really rough day and I'm gonna have a beer because that's what we do when we have a rough day, right? You know, like that's what we do. We um, have a beer, we, um, you know, go out with our friends or we do our stuff, whatever we do, and it's just beneficial. It doesn't affect our life. It doesn't make it worse. It doesn't make it better. Hopefully everything we do in our lives would enhance it, right? And that's how I feel. Like, when I go about my life, I'm like, what is going to enhance my life? You know, we don't want stuff that's going to, you know, make it worse <laughs> or, like, more miserable, right? And so we want, like, experiences that we're going to be like, wow, this is a great experience. I genuinely enjoy this experience. Um, and drinking is, can be, maybe, that kind of experience at one point. But there does come a time in your life that it might not. And for me, it, it became a point where I was like, man, I just like it too much. And it really has become something that I'd rather do over other things. And that's not good. That's an escape. That's a reason to not live. And I've been really kind of experimenting and kind of like reading up on the idea of religion because I'm not a religious person. Everybody knows this. Anybody who listens to my podcast, you know, I'm like, I don't really identify as being religious. But being spiritual, absolutely. You have to be spiritual in your life, I think. And one thing that I realized throughout my journey um, with sobriety is that's where things really started to go downhill for me when I did not have a sense of spirituality religion and for some people that is more so religion but for me it was spirituality I was lacking the understanding I had for myself and I was lacking the purpose and that's the thing why religion kind of falls into the cusp of recovery because with religion comes purpose because sometimes religion just gives us a purpose when we in fact don't know if we have one certain or not everyone has a purpose i could argue um but not everyone believes deep down in themselves like oh hey my purpose is this because you know i'm a good person or um you know, I'm, my purpose is my children, my purpose is my lover, my purpose is my mom, my purpose is my family, you know, anything. But sometimes we get lost in our purpose. Sometimes we get too lost in our purpose and sometimes we get too lost in ourselves and not finding purpose. And that's how I was. I was searching for everywhere else for purpose and I was not looking in myself. And I was not looking in the mirror. I kept on listening to friends. I kept on listening to family. I kept on being like, okay, I have to do this. I have to do that. And I realized the reason why it never worked out is because I never, ever, ever wanted the change. I didn't want the change 
that the other people were seeing that they wanted in me. I didn't want to do that. I don't want. I didn't want to stop um, my with my lifestyle, um, because I was young or I had an excuse, and that's all it is. It's all excuses, excuses after excuse. And it's funny because I often said this in another podcast that excuses are really tricky because. For example, some of them will appear legitimate, okay? Some of them will p- appear like a legitimate um, reason to drink. And when I'm saying excuses, like, yes, if, um, if you're not an addict or if you're not somebody who's, you know, had, has had um, previous ex- experience abusing drugs or substances, um, you can think of this as other things, too. You can think about, like, um, exercise or something that you overdo. Um, but in regards to addiction, um, when it comes to substance use, as an addict, you will always use an excuse. You will always have an excuse to why you are using. And that excuse is extraordinarily valid to you for whatever reason. And the reason why these are so, so tricky is because some of them legitimately seem valid. Our friend dies. Our best friend dies. That causes us pain. That causes us sorrow. That causes us excruciating amounts of agony. And we'll be like, you know what? How else do I get through the day? How else will I? If I don't do this, huh? You know, and coping is such an interesting thing. And I've said this in my past podcast, too, that I think that as a society, we have to be more understanding of coping. We have to be more understanding about, and this is just my opinion, but I think that we should be more understanding of people that go through something like, oh, your, you know, your uncle had to move away because he had to go to the nursing home. You know, for me, I would be like, okay, that means nothing to me. I don't have an uncle that needs to go in the nursing home. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> that that doesn't give me any kind of distress. For anyone who has experienced that, that's going to be triggering. They're going to be like, oh, man, I remember my one of my family members had Alzheimer's. And I had to go and, you know, say goodbye. Or I had to... Uh, move them to a nursing home or I had to move to help them or like things are changing inevitably always 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 that's something we will never be able to escape and for us these will be excuses these will be things that we're like hey these environmental factors have no placement in your well-being and your purpose because those environmental factors don't always correlate to you as a good person or your actions. Whether someone dies, whether someone gets in a car crash, whether somebody, you know, has to move on from a relationship or a job or a, from their education or anything, sometimes that's out of your control. But we often believe it is and we take it so personally sometimes and the thing is these are tricky points because you're like man 
you know, now that I'm, and these emotions are coming up, now those are validations to how I feel and how I should be feeling. And these are the actions that I'm going to portray. Why? Because of my feelings. And one thing I really had to learn throughout my life is that rehab, when I went to rehab, they taught us a lot about feelings. Feelings was something that I was like, oh, uh, I don't know what you're talking about when you talk about feelings. Growing up for me, I was the kind of kid where I grew up with a very structured, um, strict parents, mainly one more so than the other, but I had strict parents and, you know, you couldn't be, couldn't be too silly. You could be a kind of. But you couldn't show too much emotion either, you know. Um, couldn't cry. Um, don't be weak. You know, hold your head up high. Sit up straight. Um, things like that. They're not all bad advices. But with time, what really oriented with me is that I, in my adult life, believed that if I ex- displayed certain emotions, I was not being I was not being appropriate. I wasn't being like the adult figure that I should have perceived myself to be. So let me explain this better. Um, so for example, growing up, your parents might say, "Hey, you fell down, don't cry. Get up. Let's go." And that's fine. It's not always bad. I don't think that's always bad. Um, But, you know, once I got to be an older being, this internal voice that I would hear from people that I was learning about life with, you know, the people that you learn life um, from are people closest to you, your family, your friends, your brothers, your sisters, right? And they're humans. They're not going to have the best quality knowledge. Why? Because they're just human beings. They're doing... I like to hope that everyone thrives to be the best person that they can be. And that... Excuse me one second. (coughs) I have allergies, sorry. (coughs) But I would hope that people would thrive to be the best kind of people that they would want to be. But even with that, not everyone is granted the same knowledge. You know, and my father, he um, grew up in Mexico. He migrated to this country. He had a different custom. He had different ideals. Um, and it's tricky. You know, some some people are grown up with different customs and different ideals. And I also learned at a very young age that being an alcoholic is the worst thing you could be. Being an alcoholic meant that you were a failure. And me, I did not want to be a failure. Mm -mm. Like, being a failure was the worst. As a kid, if you were a failure, I was like, oh, man. I might as well just, you know. I I was going to say something, but it might be a little triggering. Um... Have you ever heard that thing like, just throw your whole self out the window? Um, kind of thing. <laughs> I would have done something like that. Um, because that was just so frowned upon. 
to be anything less than perfect or acceptable. And for a long time, I really had to look at myself and say, you know what? It is okay to not be a perfect being. It is okay to not be the person that I wish that I could aspire to be. I can get there little by little. But if I start here, you know, I got to start somewhere. And some people are going to have that head start. Some people are going to have that head start. They're going to have that opportunity. Maybe faster, maybe easier, maybe quicker. Maybe with no effort. And that's just life. (laughs) You know, with time you realize that. You're like, and you can't compare yourself. That's one thing I had to learn too. Is that some people recover fast. Some people, you tell them, hey... Quit doing this. Don't do this. And that's the last time they do it. They have no issue whatsoever. Changing their minds, changing their jobs, changing their things. And you're like sitting there, or at least I was sitting there when I was first going into recovery and being like, damn, how come I can't do this? How come I feel like I'm like drowning? (laughs) I was like, how come I feel like I'm like changing my whole life story? How come I feel like I'm not even myself? How come when I am, am sober, I feel less like myself than myself? Why is it that when I started sobriety, I was depressed? I was lonely. The connections are important. I was so damn lonely all the time. Why? Because mentally I had created a cage for myself. I was like, man, my friends don't like me because I'm this kind of person. Um, I thought to myself, oh, um, these I shouldn't even try dating because I'm an addict, so no one's going to like me. And these were pre-existing notions I gave for myself. I inflicted onto myself. I caused harm onto myself. Why? Because I was stuck in my addiction. I was stuck in my mind. And I was like, I can't be free. I did not feel free. And the craziest thing in my mind is that there is... There is a bias in everything. And there's always, you know, stereotypes with everything. But the biggest stereotype I want to kind of address is that it doesn't take one day to cure a habit or a week. It does not take a week to cure a habit that you've had For decades, for years, for days, for months. Off and on, here and there. You know, like, it doesn't take a week. It doesn't take a month. It takes a whole lot of time. And I've been through rehab twice, so I know that... In rehab, sometimes they have this thing where they're like, oh, 
you know, you're in rehab now, everything's nice and peachy, you know, everyone's clean and happy, and we're just going to sit around and talk about all the positive, great things that we can do to help ourselves and to help others, because we are just glorious beings of God. Are we glorious beings? Absolutely. Um, is this going to take this one day, this short amount of time, even a month, even a few months to, you know, stop this mental practice that we have evolved as addicts to participate in for 20 years, 10 years, 5 years? That doesn't change. And that's the thing that's so frustrating sometimes is that you're like, man, I have all these resources, I have all these guides, and why can't I be perfect? Like, why am I not this beautiful, peachy being that's just jumping for joy of for the first, you know, opportunity at life? And the thing is, as addicts, we never chose life before. So it's a new journey. It's going to be new. And not all addicts have the same story. You know, like some of us have had religion. Some of them, some people have really, really strong religious ties. Some people are really good with their families. Some people have happy families. Some people don't have abuse. Some people just, you know, have it beachy. But for whatever reason, something attracts them to that lifestyle. Maybe it's faith. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's comfort. Maybe it's sex. Maybe it's whatever, right? And that's all we do in life. That's all we do is we do things for the four functions. We do the things for the four functions of behavior. It's escape, attention, tangible, and sensory. All those those four are the main functions of every single every single action that we have and it's so interesting to me like life is so interesting for that reason that we kind of are hard on ourselves we kind of have to give each other some slack not so much slack but just enough to be understanding you know and to be patient because it's not going to be easy to be sober especially if you haven't been sober for a very very long time <laughs> so just hang in there and if you're just here to listen to the podcast and support you know kudos to you sorry about the noise I'm kind of cleaning up at the same time <laughs> today is my semi day off half day off i worked um, in the morning, and then I have the evening off, so I'm kind of throwing in a few things, trying to get things done, but I greatly, greatly appreciate everyone who's been listening, and, you know, do something nice for yourself, um, do something that makes you feel happy, do something that, um, you're like, you know what, I'm alive today, I'm happy today, and this is the reason for why, um, I'm happy because I get to go and get a coffee, I get to um, ride my car and look at the mountains. Um, Maybe you just get to relax and watch TV. That's awesome. Do something nice. And even if you only have five minutes, listen to your favorite song. Do something that will uplift your spirits and just kind of say, hey, I'm here. 
I'm happy. Sometimes it's easier than others. <laughs> easier days than others. But I'm happy. Listening to me, I hope that, you know, you get your own ideas on what you want to do in regards to your sobriety. And it really definitely helps me when you guys are listening. And you allow me to talk through the things that I'm feeling. So for that, I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate all of you. And safest, safest, safest of travels.